Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. This week's podcast will focus on updates, challenges, and novel therapies being explored for the treatment of blastic plasmacytoid dendritic cell neoplasm in honor of BPDCN Awareness Day. First, Naveen Pemaraju highlights exciting developments in the field of BPDCN. So blastic plasmacytoid dendritic cell neoplasm, or BPDCN, remains one of the uh, most important areas of my own team's research. As many of you may remember, we were able to lead the first and only FDA-approved drug in that space, Tavraxifus, exactly five years ago. But since then, we've made three separate developments that I'd like to share with you. Some of them were featured here at ASH. Number one is that we are working on a second drug now called IMGN632 or Pivecumab Sunarine, and we published the, or presented those results in the EHA meeting summer of 2023. So it's a second generation or next generation CD123, a different payload, and that's showing activity and safety in BPDCN with those results ongoing. The second aspect of BPDCN is investigating combination therapies. So combining the tag with AZA and VEN as we're doing in AML, so doing that also in BPDCN, or with chemotherapy, so the tag hypersevad VEN program that I have open exclusively at MD Anderson at my site. So those are for BPDCN specific. And then the third aspect that I think is exciting is understanding the molecular or biological understanding of BPDCN, and that we have our scientists uh, across the world working together uh, to try to understand and unravel the basic components of BPDCN. Next, you will hear from Nurses Garamanian, who shares insights into the BPDCN International Registry and highlights an analysis of data from this registry. As we know, BPDCN is rare and aggressive disease, uh, and uh, it remains uh, unmet need in our field. So our initiative called BPDCN International Registry was launched on the 1st of July of 2022 and it aims to foster multi-center collaboration and to create a comprehensive patient database and to drive data-driven recommendations for treatment of these patients. Um, this BPDCN registry is the largest to date on BPDCN and uh, it includes centers from across the globe, including Asia, Africa, Middle East, and Western world, including USA, United Kingdom, Italy, Canada. And also our team who's working on this project includes, includes world-renowned experts, such as Dr. Pemarajo from MD Anderson, who's the last author of our first publication. And I want also to present some data from this registry. Uh, our registry shows that uh, there are multiple types of treatment used for induction of this uh, disease. And the most commonly used ones are acute lymphoblastic leukemia style regimens, which were employed in 90% of cases in our registry. These regimens actually uh, resulted in 70% complete remission rate, but roughly half of these patients quickly relapsed. 
Um, and also we know that the only uh, approach, treatment approach with curative potential is allogeneic stem cell transplant, which unfortunately was employed only in 21% of cases. And the other novel treatment, CD123 directed approach called Tagraxofast was employed just in 3% of cases, which actually reflects, reflects um, uh, challenges, real world challenges to deliver novel therapies to patients. Um, and to conclude, we believe that this BPDCN International Registry uh, has uh, potential to significantly impact patient outcomes and uh, to help us to understand and address uh, challenges of the management of this rare disease. So we encourage all our colleagues from across the, uh, of the globe to join this registry and to join us on this journey. Lastly, you will hear from Marco Herling and Claudio Cercione, who discuss unmet needs in BPDCN and improvements that have been made in the awareness and diagnosis of this rare disease. This is a very interesting topic because it is, from a historical perspective, also showing us how awareness of a certain disease that for the longest time had had, had an ever-changing um, uh, nomenclature. Now we have BPDCN defined within the past two WHO classifications of hematologic tumors. Now we can much better do comparative trials. We can do analyses where we have a stable nomenclature. And the immunophenotype is so well defined of this disease, expression of CD123, expression of CD4, CD56 and TCL1, that we have a uniform disease that we have now defined and we have also learned that we shortened the time that people spend in this diagnostic loop. Previously they had spent on average four to six months in dermatology departments and other departments before they were systemically treated after a proper diagnosis. It used to be much harder to diagnose BPDCN. Now due to the increased awareness we have come to a scenario that they don't spend much time anymore in this um, loop of waiting for a proper diagnosis. Dermatologists, oncologists have communicated much better with each other and we have now a situation where they very quickly get their diagnosis from usually a skin biopsy and um, end up in a hematological department where they get the proper treatment. BPDCN is a new entity that we are starting to know in last years and I think the important problem of this disease is the correct diagnosis which is an issue of a multidisciplinary team. I think at first we should learn how to diagnose this disease and I think that we should create a very good partnership with dermatologists, with anatomopathologists and in general we have to create a multidisciplinary team which is really trained in this disease. After that, we should create, I think, some institutions in which we can perfectly diagnose, monitor and treat these patients. And we know that uh, today we have available uh, a very good option, which is Tagraxofus Pantis D100-23, uh, which has shown a very good tolerability and a wonderful efficacy also in difficult to treat population. And I'm really happy to have this opportunity approved now in frontline therapy in many European countries uh, comprising 
thing also Italy where I work and live and I think that if we go to see also in the past how we manage this patient we have today a target therapy a uh, wonderful opportunity to uh, also reduce in a great way the side effects that the patient uh, should in the past uh, afford with the chemotherapy. Now we have the possibility to target in perfect way going on the main biomarker in this disease, but also balancing this with a very good tolerability. And I think that uh, Tagrafusofusp is a game changer in this disease. The real challenge for this disease will be to discover the patients because you know the great problem is to do awareness and I think that we should collect the patients from uh, smaller institutions and to create the journey for this patient in order to uh, permit them to be um, welcomed in the mayor institution to perform their perfect journey. I think that uh, we are creating very good projects and I think another great uh, opportunity will be to develop registries for this disease in which we can collect not only clinical and epidemiological data but we can also understand the best outcome with the newer drug that we have currently available. I think that we are going to start a new history for a new entity which before was maybe under evaluated because of the not so good outcome and because of the lack of options. Today that we have a target therapy, we can really change the outcome of these patients and this is the best wish that I give to the patient itself and to their caregivers to be really managed in an excellent way thanks to the Graxofus, but thanks to the supportive care that we are developing in this disease, thanks to the multidisciplinary team that we are creating in last years and last months thanks to the new opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.